Welcome to the show. My name is Shay Dahlia. I'm the host and the producer, and I do every other task behind the Cuts and Biases podcast. This is part two of nice. It's a complicated word. In eighth grade, there were these two white girls. They were so not nice. They were mean girls. Mean girls, but not like in a mean way, if you know what I mean. They would treat me as like a pet almost. Uh-huh. Oh, you're like my best friend now. Rashmi, come sit with us. You're like your best friend now. You're my new bestie. <laughs> it was like that. I was very confused because I wasn't sure if they liked me or if they didn't like me. They said nice things, but like it seemed fake. That was 19-year-old Rashmi, who you first heard in part one. Nice is the opposite of disagreeable and unpleasant. In the mid-1900s, it appeared as the opposite of mean-spirited and racist. I looked through my research for the episode I've been working on for a long time that's inspired by the book To Kill a Mockingbird. And though that episode isn't about that word nice, I found examples of its use. The word is also used to contrast people who aren't being racist when others are. For example, in the 1960s novel To Kill a Mockingbird, there's a scene where the main character, a little white girl nicknamed Scout, spoke to the ringleader of a lynch mob. The eight-year-old girl said, Don't you remember me? I go to school with your son. In the book, she says he's a good boy and then adds he's a nice boy. In the movie version, she only says he's a nice boy. In another example, there's a famous picture taken in 1957 in Nashville. On the first day of school desegregation, a black mother walked two girls to school. She's stoic, holding the hand of one girl, and that girl is clutching the hand of the other girl. They were six years old. And along the route and outside the school, protesters yelled racist slurs at her and the girls. The bulk of the jeering crowds around schools that day were white mothers and their children. The black mother said later that inside the school, the white staff were, quote, talking nice to us. Of all the words she could have chosen, she chose nice. And those are examples of nice used as the opposite of mean-spirited, and what Canadians liked to think until about the last decade was the only type of racist, like it only happened in the civil rights era and in the southern states, and only to black people. Here's how nice has been used 60 years later in 2017. This is from the book, Tell Me Who You Are a roadmap for cultivating racial literacy. And this is what a white woman said about her boyfriend of South Asian descent. She said that he's excited if a white person is nice to him. They were at the beach with his Indian American friends, and a white group came along and played volleyball with them. And after they shook hands and the white people left, the guy said, wow, the white people talk to us. She said, maybe it's because more often white people will ignore them or be afraid of them or be distant. There isn't much out there in the anti-racism books that's inclusive of people labeled of color. It's usually about black and white people or written for black or white people. There might be a paragraph mentioning the rest of us. This book has many stories from people of various races and ethnicities and from the queer community. It's compiled by two American women of South Asian and East Asian descent, Priya Volchi and Winona Guo, who were 18 when they traveled across the U.S., to talk to people. And the volleyball story stood out to me because it was one of the types of racism 
that I grew up with, and in the story, it was a white person admitting to seeing it. Most white people I've known, when I've told them it happens, or even when they see it, they would find excuses for it, or they wouldn't say anything at all. And that's what stood out to me in the story, because the white woman acknowledged it, admitted that it happened. Even though I'm Canadian, born here, and grew up with white friends, I know what the boyfriend in the story and his friends are expressing. I've heard it used that way among brown people when I was growing up. We were a racially visible minority in a white majority town. And because the racism wasn't acknowledged by white people, they stayed silent, they'd get uncomfortable, we didn't talk about it either. And maybe part of why we did that was to have dignity. Instead, I heard the phrase, they're nice, for people who didn't act like that. You pointed out. They were nice. In part one, you met my white friend, Tracy. Here we are again. So nobody talked about racism. Instead, there were coded words so that you don't have to discuss that you're living in a place that thinks that way about you. When you told me that, or when you explained that to me, wow, and it was good to hear that. I appreciate you telling me about that because it really was meaningful to hear. It brought a new perspective to me. P.S. Well, this is where you would hug your friend if you were there in person. Because it's rare for a white person to say they believe us. So it's kind of a low bar, really. What do you mean? Isn't that kind of the lowest uh, way to be not racist? Is to just be... Nice. (laughs) Superficially nice, (laughs) right? (laughs) I don't know where it is on the bar of things, but (laughs) but it's a common one amongst people who think they're not racist. Yes, absolutely. I was just being kind of offhand about it. P.S. Since the civil rights era, it's been social etiquette for white people to act nice to people who aren't white. So racism is disguised in ways that I said in part one, and also by exclusion. I told that volleyball story to a brown Canadian woman in Vancouver, who's a friendly people person. She said that her family has a white family member, and that white person noticed that when they're on a picnic with the brown family, other white families don't approach them. But when they're with their white family on a picnic, other white people come up and talk to them, and even join them. You may think it's all in her head and anecdotal. Fact. In 2021, In a city that's a part of Metro Vancouver, called Surrey, a white couple, and somebody thought I was talking about children here, no, a white adult couple, in a park, threw garbage out of the trash can at brown grandmothers and their grandkids, who were wearing South Asian clothing, who, like most families last year, were outdoors in a park. Kids today learn how to talk about racism without euphemisms. A nine-year-old grandkid talking about the white trash throwers, told City News they were being racist. I got to say white trash, (laughs) but I said white trash throwers, because that's what they were doing. They were white and they were throwing trash. Right. Oh my God. That's a horrible story, but at least you did get to say white trash throwers. There was one small (laughs) thing there that was kind of good. It's offensive to say white trash in 2022. 
but 20 years ago, it was part of Y2K fashion. Trucker caps, Ashton Kutcher and Paris Hilton wore them. In Vancouver, there was a popular pop culture store on Granville Street near the Commodore concert venue and a block from where my hair studio is now. There you could buy studded belts and music paraphernalia. They sold t-shirts stenciled with the words white trash. I only have verification on the t-shirts, but I think it would also have been on tank tops. And in 2006, the very mainstream Today Show on their website published a story titled Welcome to the White Trash Nation. Way beyond trucker hats, lowbrow is the new mainstream. It's a derogatory article. The term has been used for over a hundred years to put down white people with low income and associate them with being more overtly racist. So people who consider themselves to be nice to people who aren't white, in comparison, think of themselves as not racist. But they do it covertly and systemically. Like in the volleyball story, which I told Tracy about. I told you the story from the book, Tell Me Who You Are. And she said, maybe it's because more often white people will ignore them or be afraid of them or be distant. Right. Yeah, I think that is a pretty common pattern, unfortunately. Yeah. I think the way that they're talking about people being nice is the kind of more normal way people use the word nice, which is genuinely kind and having empathy and wanting to connect. That's actually a lovely example. And hopefully the world is changing. I would like to think so anyway. Well, you're living in a little wonderland there because it's not true, (laughs) especially during COVID. Yeah. The amount of anti-Asian racism, East Asian and South Asian, and the news is over and over again to be cautious of people. Yeah, totally. So that does play into who they're going to decide to hang out with. You're totally right. P.S. That made me think in a different way about what Rashmi had said at the end of December 2021 during the pandemic. It was after her first in-person semester at university. I found one Sri Lankan person. I recognized her name. It was the very first day of university. She asked a question on the public forum and I thought her name looked very Sri Lankan. And then I privately chatted her. Are you Sri Lankan? And then we became friends just like that. It's very easy to make friends. (laughs) (laughs) I had trouble before. And then university started this year in-person classes and I walked into the lecture hall and I asked the girl who was closest, is this the right class? And she's Punjabi, she's Indian. And we just became friends like that. There was another Afghan girl. We became friends and then another Punjab girl. And it was like that. In university, I haven't made any white friends, which it wasn't something I did on purpose. It just didn't happen. Fact. There was a research study done in 2021 to assess the causal link between the pandemic and racial discrimination. It was published in 2022. The researchers from the University of Georgia, Zhao, Tinkler, and Clayton, wrote that their findings, quote, contribute to a growing body of evidence suggesting that the media's framing of the virus as from China negatively affected the treatment of Asian Americans. And they said, not just in the obvious ways that are visible, but also in subtle forms of bias and discrimination. Now that was in the States. This is what I suspected in my first podcast episode in 2021, which I was working on, coincidentally, in the same months that they were doing their research. In Canada in 2021, 
when a new variant was in India, and after it was given a name, Delta. Canadian News kept writing that it was from India. And in 2021, Canadian media framed the pandemic around India and in the Canadian South Asian communities in Toronto and near Vancouver. In April 2021, when Canada banned flights from India, Canada's transport minister, Omar Al-Gabra, said to Canadians, we must reject scapegoating. This virus isn't Chinese, nor is it Indian. Do you remember the Namu episode? In it, I read out the news about the 1860 smallpox epidemic from a newspaper in Victoria, B.C. People who heard that in that show were shocked at the blatant anti-Indigenous tone of it. But the majority of Canadians back then in 1860 agreed with it. They wouldn't have clocked the racism in it. I think that people 20 years from now will be shocked by the racism in this Vancouver Sun headline from April 2021. COVID-infected people arrive in B.C. from India as Trudeau ponders flight restriction. And then in small print within the article, it said, during the same period, infected people also arrived from Amsterdam and the U.S. It's common for people to read only headlines and share them. For the next five months, the flight ban was in the news because it kept getting extended. And it ended a month after the first semester of school started. And of course, as you know from my first episode about how people can do things in a covert way that only shows up as a statistic later. I would love to think that it's getting better, but I hear you. It probably isn't. Yeah. With some people it is, but people that maybe were on the fence have gone to the wrong side of it. Absolutely. There's way too many horrible examples. Fact. Oh yeah, remember in part one, I asked Tracy, like why white women have to unpack being nice? Well, I think I found an example. An American study from 2021 assessed the causal link between the pandemic and racial discrimination. Researchers Zhao and all studied actual behavior and summarized that when primed with information linking the threat of a new disease with East Asia and South Asia, white Americans across the political spectrum, displayed less generosity to Asian Americans. You might think the participants were the type that throw trash. Well, actually, the participants were more liberal than the average American. Over 60% were women or were college-educated, almost half were liberal, and a third conservative. Tracy in Part 1 said that woman being nice is superficial, and a distraction from being a genuinely kind, empathetic person. Yeah, there's a ways to go. You said, I hope it's getting better, but then there's these examples where it's not really, but then it's not reported all the times white people do play volleyball on the beach with people who look like the global majority. White listeners, allies, if you do see people out there that don't look like you, go and say hi and join them. Just do it. P.S. Coincidentally, a white man told me about a family activity he went on, and next to them there was a brown family of Indian descent doing the same activity, and he invited them to join his family, and then the brown family invited them to eat with them. They became friends. About that white man and his family, I wouldn't say, they're nice. I'd say, they're friendly. I asked a black man I know, does he ever use the word nice to mean that somebody actually is nice? He said, no, 
Whenever he says, they were nice, he means it sarcastically. I asked another racialized person, and they said they use it to mean there was something off about that white person. It seems like everyone uses this phrase in their own individualized way. That's what makes the word complicated. It's all about tone, who you're speaking to, and who gets what you're saying. If someone said, oh yeah, I met these people and they were nice, what would that mean to you? It's a handy shortcut. An easy way to say the person is not a jerk. They're likable. They're not going to stab you in the back. They seem trustworthy and maybe consistent and someone who has empathy. But when I talked to you that day, you didn't say that part. I guess I can't remember exactly what you're thinking of. When I told you what they're nice means to me, you were surprised, but that first time you didn't use the word jerk. Oh, yeah. Or anything like that. Being polite, that was pretty much what nice meant when you told me? Mm Mm-hmm. So you must have thought about it since then. I have been thinking about it. Well, this is good. Yeah, I thought a bit more deeply about the idea. And now to the person who's listening to this show, how do you use their nice? I'll give you a few seconds to think about it with this sound of waves. What about he's nice? The nice guy, or a nice guy. They mean something different. I asked a white man. Would you want to be called a nice guy? No, I don't think so. Um, Because I think a nice is kind of somewhere in the middle when somebody is trying to not say something negative or not say something too positive. So they can just say, oh, he's nice. Is it an aspiration for a man? I don't think so. It's kind of in the middle, isn't it? Thank you. The internet says that a nice guy, it can just mean like nice in the way normally it means. It can mean what the guy said, like not much. It doesn't really stand out. And that's how a white woman said that she uses it about anybody. Okay, so that's a nice guy. The nice guy can be a man who's pretending the nice guy, which wasn't what Tracy was specifically talking about when she said, That's partly why, for me, nice, you know, it always makes me go, hmm, whenever people use that word for someone who's a great person, because I know there's that flip side to it where it can really be used as a tool, weaponized. Like in the movie Just Friends, with Ryan Reynolds and his rival acting like the nice guys for the girl next door. By the way, that's a fat phobic movie from 2005. He wears a fat suit in it. In the more current movie, A Promising Young Woman from 2020, The men in it are played by actors who are known for their other acting roles as wholesome nice boys next door, like Adam Brody in The O.C. Except that here they're cast as a warning about a sinister type of nice guy, a pretender that's a predator. When a woman in it confronted one of them who started to rape her when he thought she was drunk, he said, he's not a predator, he's a nice guy. Let's move on. The internet says that the nice guy is a pejorative term and it can be dismissive. But the nice guy, a nice guy, or he's nice, doesn't have a race attached to it. Okay, I remember a male friend saying this to me, that if he heard that a woman that he liked had said, he's nice, he would know that she's not interested in him. Right, that does mean that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, for a man to hear that he's nice is not a compliment, but that was his only association with the word. 
because he wouldn't have to hear it anywhere else, like you said, like it's used for women. Yeah. He would not have anybody say to him, be nice. Although one woman told me that she's told a man in a meeting to be nice. Huh. But I don't know if that would click for him because that's socially not how he's controlled. No. She must have been pretty frustrated if she said that to him. Rarely would a woman say that, be nice to a man, because it's pretty condescending. <laughs> right? <laughs> condescending, but it's said to women. Or in other ways now, in other words, it's still said. Yeah. P.S. I saw a video on social media of a woman giving advice to hairstylists, and she was using examples of female hairstylists and demonstrating how to talk to clients to tell them you have a cancellation policy, which every service business has. It's not a shocker. You go to the dentist, they have one. It's everywhere. And she said to say it in a nice way, in a really nice way. But I can't say it the way she was saying it, with that forced smile in what Tracy would describe as sickly sweet. Super slimy sweet, pouring it on like, I know. Fake nice. I think white women do use it as, like it's a tool, a tool of manipulation. When I say nice white people, I don't ever say nice white man or nice white woman. I use person because it's generic behavior. It's uncannily identical from person to person. Like the where are you from question when you're born here and you say from here and they say, no, where are you really from? Blah, 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 blah. It's the same script with everyone. You know that. I wrote about this in 2014. And then somebody asked me, have you seen the video? It's a YouTube video called, What Kind of Asian Are You? And this happens to black people in Canada too. And white people who watched it thought it was exaggerated. No, that's exactly the way the white person acts. Exactly. And the main part of the dialogue was word for word what I had written, as if we both had the same script. This is before TikTok and before videos were instantaneously mimicked by everybody. So I started asking every person I knew that was racialized, and every single person told me the same dialogue that they'd had said to them over and over again throughout their lives. <laughs> and if you actually are originally from somewhere else, then it goes like this. Here's Rashmi, who you heard in part one. When I first moved to Canada, I was already very good at English. They were like, oh, your English is so good. At first, I thought it was a compliment. They think highly of me. But then as the years went by, it was the same. Last month, I was at work. And then this customer, he asked me where I was from. I said, Sri Lanka. And go, when did you move? I moved in 2014. 2014? Your English is so good. Yeah. <laughs> In part one, you heard that when a racialized person speaks up about microaggressions, a white person will say, it was just a joke. Is it though? Fact. And there are stats from England comparing racism in 2016 before the announcement of a breakfast 
a Brexit referendum, and in 2019, right after Brexit. The British people of Black and South Asian backgrounds who'd experienced racial discrimination had grown from 58% to 71%. The survey found that racist comments that were made to sound like a joke were heard on a day-to-day basis in 2016 by about 35% of the respondents. In 2019, it was over 50%. Therefore, as racism had risen, so had these comments that are just jokes. And that's from a nationwide survey that The Guardian wrote about. The link will be in the show notes at heyshay.com. H-E-Y-S-H-A-I. In 2014, Chris Rock said in an interview about racial progress that his kids at school were, quote, encountering the nicest white people that America had ever produced. That was probably mock serious because he's a comedian. And in that interview for Vulture website, he was also critical of white people. Since the time that Chris Rock said that, nice has been used sarcastically in the term nice white people. And it's shown up in the works of anti-racism educators who say it about progressive people who'd cause harm unintentionally. And the best example of this is the documentary podcast, Nice White Parents. It's about a New York school one of the nice white parents is a white Canadian man. Rashmi immigrated with her family from Sri Lanka to Vancouver, Canada, when she was in grade 7 in 2014, the year that Chris Rock talked about nice white people at his kid's school. I hadn't planned on including her interview in this show. But Chris Rock's comment made me go back and listen to a part of her interview about her teacher. And guess what? She'd use the word nice. In seventh grade, my teacher in our classroom had these pictures posted above the doorframe on the classroom of photos he'd taken when he went around the world traveling. One of them was of this boy in India. He was standing on like a pile of garbage or something. In the classroom, we were talking about world issues. He suddenly said, this is what Rashmi did before she moved to Canada. She was collecting batteries to feed her family. Uh, (laughs) Did anybody laugh? Yeah, all the kids did. I mean, they were kids. They probably didn't understand what it meant. They were all my age. But he's the adult. So if he thought it was funny, then they also thought it was funny. I stood up for myself. I'm like, no, that's not how it was. I grew up in a well-off family and I explained the law and everything. But of course, that didn't matter. It was like dismissed, kind of. I was really confused. It was like my first experience of racism. I came home and I told my parents, what did you say? I explained I wasn't like that and how it's required in the law for all children to go to school. They were like, good job. (laughs) (laughs) did that set the precedent for how the classmates treated you after that did they make that joke they didn't make that joke but another thing was he made this nickname for me it really bothered me it's not funny it's my name and i already have an ethnic name it's different when it's it's very different (laughs) he sets the example and he encourages those behaviors and then all the boys started calling me that. It stuck with me. And then in eighth grade, 
some of those boys tried it again, but then I shut them off. What did you say to them? I gave them a look. <laughs> that was enough. You gave them your eye piercing look? My eye piercing look, I guess. <laughs> well, did he have nicknames for other kids? For most kids, he did. They didn't really have the negative connotation. Yours came from something you did that he thought was negative, and then he put that yeah. on you? Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was a nice person, because he was. He would always make jokes, and all the kids loved him, and all the parents loved him, the teachers. He was very well loved throughout the school. And I didn't realize it at that time. But then as I was in high school and learning about racism, like in my social justice classes and just around the world of what happened to people, like other people's experiences, oh, that's what happened. After part one came out, a brown woman who heard it asked me when she was at the salon about racist jokes and microaggressions. Had that ever happened to me? (laughs) She was sitting in the same chair where it's happened for years. And she asked me, what did I say? <laughs> this is the end of part two. I'll get back to you on that. In part three, Tracy will be back, as well as Sabrina, the biracial woman who was the real star of the episode, the prettiest one. I had said then that there was more from her, and it's coming in part three. And just to remind you who she was, here's a clip from the prettiest one. Did you notice a difference when you dyed your hair blonde? Do you find there's less racial profiling happening? Absolutely. It's so funny that you ask that right now. I don't get followed around. Rashmi listened to that show. It was really interesting to hear that when she dyed her hair blonde, she stopped getting racially profiled as much. Yeah. I did not think hair. I think that when the security people are glancing over, Ah. and she has light skin too. Huh even though her hair is really kinky curly. That's really interesting to hear. I did not think like bleaching your hair would do that. Yeah, same with me when I had blonde hair. I would go into stores and right away I would feel like, this is different. I'm not being watched anymore. That feeling isn't there anymore. And it's back now. In part three, I talk about the phrase not nice and nice versus kind and what happened when someone quoted the racist word, the N-word, around people who are socially trained to be nice. Part three is also a creative anti-racism workshop, a mini class to help you prep for part four. Because in part four, I'll be talking about getting comfortable speaking up about racism when you hear it happening around you. By the end of this five-part series, you'll feel more confident in being racially literate. Basically, you'll have finished a mini course. I didn't start out intending it to be that. P.S. A white friend told me that I shouldn't be educating white people because it's unpaid emotional labor from my experiences of racism. I know that. I'm not doing this just for white people. This podcast is for people like me who have been labeled people of color and for white people who want to be useful allies. That's why it's possible to donate to support the making of this podcast. Think of it as buy me a drink if we were sitting in person having a conversation about all this. You can fund the ahas uh, huh. you got from it at heishay.com, H-E-Y-S-H-A-I. That's also where the show notes are for each episode. Of nice, it's a complicated word.